is so harsh. Woo, child, this light is harsh. You know why? Because it's so dark. Like it's dark outside, so it's dark inside, no matter how much light I put on. It's just harsh, harsh. I was trying to soften it. There's no softening this light. I was trying to tone it down. There's no toning it down. Look at that. It's just dark. So I got to turn it all the way up. I'm all the way up. See if I do that. Look how, look at that. My teeth are white. And if I do that, I might get right there. It's still dark, right? Well, welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. I'm Babs Rose. I've been working on my lighting. Because, you know, we are a high-end show. <laughs> we, <laughs> we are a high-caliber, high-functioning show, let me tell you. Don't get it twisted. Good morning. Hey, Harry Rose. Tomorrow's Harry's birthday. I don't know if you wanted me to tell people, but I've been telling people all week. Happy birthday, Harry. Tomorrow's Harry's birthday. I don't know what we're doing. What are we doing, Harry? Uh, Paul is in Tulsa living his best life. I see I see Paul at the clubs, at the jazz clubs. Paul in the museums. Like He's doing stuff he don't even do here. <laughs> Paul go to Tulsa and act brand new. Next thing I know, we all going to be moving to Tulsa. The whole show going to move to Tulsa. Watch. Uh, I'm glad he's having a good time. I don't know what the weather is like in Tulsa, but he's having a good time. I'm digging the pictures. And, and the fact that he's posted up some pictures is just amazing to me. Like he is taking a page from the Babs playbook, like posting pictures, you know. He was in a jazz club the other night. I was listening to the singer. She was up on stage. I was like, go ahead. Then the museum, meeting with the black paper people. I mean, just all over the place in Tulsa. I can't wait to hear what he's talking about when he gets back. You know, anyway. Uh, it is dark and stormy in the Elm today. Like it is dark. Like I woke up this morning, I was like, okay. And then the next thing I know, it got like midnight in my room. I was like, oh, what is happening? I don't think these earrings match this, this dress while I'm wearing it. That's too bad. So it felt like uh it felt like doomsday. And Margo, Margo called a, a car service this morning because she usually rides her bike, but she was like, ooh. I'll probably get down that street and halfway in the skies open up. Yeah, girl. And then you'll be calling me to come bring you some fresh clothes. So, yeah, no. So, yeah, uh, it's it's stormy in the elm. It's going to be like this. I guess today, tomorrow is supposed to be better. You know, like kind of eh, eh, eh. And then, um, Now, we got this weather all day today, thunder and lightning and all this other kind of stuff all day today. Well, till till about till about four. And then and then about one a.m. in a rain. And then Saturday looks pretty. Saturday is the best day. And then Sunday, though, that's the rain day. It's going to rain pretty much Sunday. And then Monday to be sunny so and then tuesday rain (laughs) 
we are we are we are in the rainy season you know i don't know this has been the weirdest craziest summer i don't i don't know what to make of this summer it has not settled down it has given us a few days of sun summer and then early fall you know what i mean like it's just been and then rain which we need the rain because god knows we can't we can't exist without rain so we need the rain so i slept good last night i mean i really i slept good i slept so good i had i had a really interesting dream about someone who used to be a good friend and is no longer a friend. And the dream, I woke up thinking, I never saw that coming. What, what was revealed in the dream, I never saw coming. And then as I thought about it, I thought, oh my God. As I, as I allowed myself to think about it, think about the dream and to think about our life together as friends and neighbors, you know, because we grew up together and uh, and we were very close as children. Um, it made me think about the behaviors that I witnessed over the years with him. I always thought one thing, but I woke up from this dream thinking, oh my God, that's what that is. Holy cow. It was so... Now, I, I'm never going to see him to talk about this. And I dare say, if I did talk about this with him, he probably would try to kill me because I think, or I don't know, one or two things could happen. He'd either try to kill me or he would confess. I could see it going either way. Um, and because we've known each other since childhood, I would imagine confession. It was just, but it brought such clarity. I was like, oh. Oh, now I understand. This makes all the sense. I don't know why that dream came to me. Like, I don't know. I was not thinking about him or anything. So I don't know what God wants me to do with this information. I don't know. Maybe he wants me to know when it when it happens or when it comes out that I'd be prepared. I don't know. Sometimes God gives me things. And I'm like, God, what the, what do you want me to do with this? <laughs> what do you want me to do with this? So, uh, but you know, it, I, it, as I think about our, our childhood together and our friendship and our family's friendship, all that, just because what, what was revealed to me in the dream makes absolute sense and all the pieces fit together. I'm like, I get this now. I didn't get it before, but I get it now. Wow, anyway. I could be wrong. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. But it just seems so clear to me. It was the oddest dream. It was very, very odd. And uh, and when I'm dreaming, that means I may got to REM sleep. So that's good. So that's why I probably why I feel so sleepy, so rested. Not sleepy, but like I've been to deep sleep. Like I've been to deep space nine. <laughs> so anyway. <sighs> what a way, what a way. So I don't know what I'm getting into this weekend. I don't know if I have any concrete plans. I don't. I actually don't have any concrete plans. 
So I'm not I I'm not slated to be anywhere uh, this weekend except here at the house. So I get to work on some stuff. You know, I've been in this apartment it'll be four years come uh, September, I guess August September, and uh, I still have boxes. I still have things packed. And and I, and I know the rule of thought is if you haven't touched it in this long, you should just throw it out. But I don't know if that's entirely true. So I mean, there are some things I need to throw out. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that this week. This weekend, I have lots of dried flowers which I'm going to get rid of, and and it's not because I think I'm getting rid of people or things or sentiments, but it's time to get rid of all these dried flowers because they're everywhere. They're everywhere. So, and some of them are quite pretty. But I can get more flowers. This is water. Honest to God, water. Lemon water at that. I just got it in a highball glass. I'm drinking some lemon water this morning. So, um, let me tell you something. So yesterday I was on my street, I was on my porch I was uh, meeting up with my writing coach for the LSAT applications. And uh, we looked down the street. Now, I, I I did not see the police vehicles come down the street. And I noticed everything on my street. Next thing I know, they, it was a, it was like, it had to be like 10 cars, uh, uh, 10 unmarked cars, and then four police cars, and then the army. And uh, and they all jump out their cars, uh, put on bulletproof vests, and they, I guess they run up on somebody and they say, "Get out of the car." And uh, and for a while we thought no one was captured. It's like maybe they got away or something. I don't know because they were all just standing around. And then the next thing you know, they was walking somebody in the middle of the street to a car with his handcuffs and uh, pretty much chained. I guess that's what the long pause was. It was chaining him up. Young black brother. But what I was what I found odd was the the military. Like, why was the army there? Like, why? So then um, Markeisha had said. Um, he might be AWOL. I was like, oh, I, it didn't even occur to me. So, but I don't know. I hope he's not a terrorist. How many black people are terrorists? Um, oh, that's thunder. Do you hear the thunder? So that was the flurry of activity on the street. So, you know, I I, I tap into my media sources. And they don't know what's going on either. And then when they followed up with me, they still don't know what's going on. So I was like, okay, listen, I, I don't need to be in the loop. I just, I just found it uh, hella interesting, you know, that that was happening. So, and it's not even up on the New Haven Independence site. So all the lead, all the leads to it must be blocked, I guess. I don't know, but it made for a, a fascinating afternoon. Cause I had uh, Ariana on the porch and, you know, we had a little alfresco lunch and we were talking about, you know, um, the writing, uh, the writing that we're, that I'm doing for this, for my personal statement and the diversity statement. 
and she's been coaching me and helping me. And uh, I think we came up with an amazing diversity statement. Now we're working on a personal statement and she needs me to be a little bit more personal. <laughs> I'll work on that girl. I'll work on that. <laughs> Don't do it, girl. Do it. Don't do it. I'm not going to do it, girl. <laughs> Y'all hear that meme that runs around out there? You know, people attach it to something. Like if they're going to paint like a, a, a crazy color in their house or they're going to do something. And and so they put that, that uh, they put that voiceover over something that they, uh, that they're going to try. And so the, and the woman's voice is so good. I, I just love the her sound of her voice. She goes, girl, I'm not going to do it. Don't do it, girl. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Don't do it, girl. <laughs> and then in the end, she goes, I did it. <laughs> and then that's the reveal or whatever. Whoever puts puts that voiceover over there, their reveal is, you know, sometimes it's, you know, a renovated space or an outfit or a hair color or I, I just love it because it just cracks me up. And it's clearly a black woman, you know, a young black woman. Don't do it, girl. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so, so it just cracks me up every time I, uh, every time I, uh, I hear it. And people use it. People use it very well. People use it very well. So, uh, but yeah, so that was the activity yesterday. Uh, I didn't go anywhere. Uh, I didn't do much. Uh, I hung out. I went to work. I paid some bills. Uh, Jonathan popped by. We hung out on the porch. Drank some rosé. Drank. He brought his bottle of rosé over, so we drank that. He's on his way to Virginia for a family reunion this weekend. Uh, Efe's family reunion is this weekend. I think she's gonna have a great day tomorrow. I think tomorrow will be the best day. Uh, and uh, I think it'll be fine for Saturday. So if you got to get out tomorrow, tomorrow will be the day. Sunday, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put any eggs in that basket. I just wouldn't put any eggs in that basket. So I have a hankering for some lasagna. And I, I really should make it, but I don't want to make it. But I could make it, but I don't want to make it. <laughs> I might run off to Three Girls Vegan. I might. I don't know. You know what? It might be attractive enough for me to make it. I just don't want to make so much of it. But if I make it, I'll just put some in the freezer. I could do that. Like I could do that. I think I think I just want some Italian, some Italian food, some cheesy, um, uh, some mozzarella and ricotta and you know, all together, you know. Uh and I I could do it. I mean, I I make Italian food very vegan. And I do a good job. I just, it just takes a lot. You know, Italian food is not quick. <laughs> Asian food, quick. Get you a hot enough wok. Get your vegetables cut. Get your sauces right. Italian food requires like, noodles and sauces and all the things and the right amount of da 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 da. But I'm in the mood for it. So we might, I might, that might be something I do tonight. Um, or we'll see. I'm I'm in the mood. I don't know what mood it is. It's very very dark. Like usually it's very bright. It's very very dark. Very very dark. Very very dark. 
I don't have any place to be this afternoon. I just have one thing to do. Uh, I have to drop Margo to her doctor's appointment and then go by the inner city and that's it. So I might just stop by Edge of the Woods and, and, and I, I, although I think I might have, I know I have sauces and pasta in the house. I mean, I'll double check before I go to the store, but I'll pick up some, uh, I'll pick up some regatta cheese, some, some vegan regatta and some mozzarella. Cause I think the mozzarella I have in my fridge is probably bad. Not bad, but yeah, probably bad. So I'll probably get rid of that uh, and, and make myself some kind of pasta thing. I wouldn't mind a lasagna. I'm leaning toward a lasagna. I don't know. We'll see. But then I've got some um, impossible steak bites in the fridge. And I've been wanting to try them. So I thought maybe some peppers and onions with that sauteed up on a on a on a bun you know on a on a roll on, on a sub with some drizzled cheese that might you see i spent my life talking about food food and wine i i, I spent a lot of time <laughs> harry just so you know i am down um wait let me see how much i'm down i although i don't think my face reflects it although my cardiologist the other day when I was, because, you know, my cardiologist loves to fat shame me. And, and, you know, I really should just beat his ass one time because he, you know, he's, he's a little short Indian man. I could take him. But, but I, I don't, I don't know why I just let him get away with it. You know, I think because it's not worth me saying anything to him because he, does, he doesn't go on and on. He'll say one or two things, but he said two things. I was like, I was like, I'm about to kick this. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be like that. Don't do it, girl. Girl, don't do it. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so I'm down 18 pounds. I'm down 18 pounds. And, uh, and I, I could tell I, I've lost weight, but I, I can't really tell because I still feel, I mean, I, you know, whatever. But my cardiologist said, oh, you, you've lost some weight. I said, yeah. So he said, well, let's get on the scale. You know, oh. uh, so I got on the scale. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I said, I'm on Ozempic and I've been working out. He's like, good, 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 good. I said, you know, my, my primary doctor, I have two. I have two doctors. And one put me on Ozempic and she's a woman. My other doctor he knew about this and didn't put it on for, for months. It took her to come in and say, I think we should put you on this. Because, <laughs> you know, I think my doctor just thinks I'm very confident. I'm not, you know, whatever. I, and, I, and I am. So I, I've, I've been fine on Olympic so far. And I'm not on, even on a high dose yet. So, so this, has been, this has been good. It's been good. So as long as I don't have any other damn problems, you know, none of those crazy side effects. I had them in the beginning. Like, you know, I had like, what did I have? I don't know what I had. I think I had a little bit of cramping. Um, not a lot. It wasn't anything. I pushed through and it just was like, then it went away. I was like, okay. Uh, then it just went away. So I was like, all right. 
but yeah, so I'm on it. I've been watching other people talk about it. You know, let me tell you something about people. And oh, and and this ties to um, uh, Lisa Presley's autopsy shows that she died um, from uh, obstruction in her bowel cavity from having bariatric surgery years ago. Remember when she was, you know, she was fat. And I guess I have forgotten about that. So she had bariatric surgery. And uh, um, so anyway, everybody's, everybody's always talking about people who are fat. Like people always got their lips out about people who are fat as if they have the answer for why people are fat or why a particular person is fat. That they, they just think, well, if you just diet and exercise, and for some people, that's wonderful. And for most people, it's, it works. And, and for all people, it could work, but it's not sustaining. It's not sustainable for some people. Some people can do it. And it's good to have a partner who shares in that, who's not trying to sabotage you, because there's a lot of that foolishness too. Um, so I think what I want to say is allow people to be who they are and to find the tools that work for them. There's no two better or worse. It's only the tools that work for you. And so, you know, people are like, oh, why are they putting kids on this stuff? The same reason why if a kid had asthma, you give them asthma medicine. Or the same reason if a kid has, has cancer, you treat the cancer. And obesity is, can be treated. And there are tools out there that will treat it. It's not enough to make somebody suffer and say, well, why can't you just, why can't you just get your fat ass out there and, and run and walk and, and, and eat less and, you know, for some people, it's it's something else. You know, so I'm just saying that. You know, people need to uh, get themselves together and shut up. Let people use the tools. Now, I, I, my my team of doctors was like, um, we're not opting for you for the bariatric surgery or a sleeve or a gastric bypass. Or none of that. We're not. We're not recommending that for you. And I get it. I've had too many surgeries in my life. I don't need another one. And I, I, I've learned how to lose weight. I've lost weight. I put weight on. I lost weight. Huh? But this. Is, but it's for me. It's more than just diet and exercise. Because I, I diet and I exercise. I don't whole boot camp and weight training and did this for years and years and years and years and and got to a set point and just stayed right there. And I'm, I was not unhappy. I'm not unhappy now. But I, I will say there's something to be said for, you know, like my cardiologist lowered some medicine because I've lost damn near 20 pounds. And he's like, okay, you, you, everything looks good. Let's, let's see if we can start dropping some medication. Because the goal, his, his goal and my team's goal is to get me off all these medications. And I'm with them. I'd like to be off these medications too because I just hate taking all these medications. But I don't hate it to the point where I'm like mad about it. Because let me tell you something, I will do whatever they tell me to do if it if it gives me the quality of life. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm a diabetic, I have diabetes. I have diabetes and I don't wanna lose limbs. I know people have lost, uh... <laughs> Very stupid. <laughs> Wait, I'm gonna pull this up, Harry, because I gotta see it. 
I don't even want to talk about what I was talking about because it just seems so ridiculous. So there's a there's a there's a South African lifestyle body tribe, Ethiopia fattest men fattening camp in African cultures. <laughs> okay, I don't I don't know what I'm, I'm I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. <laughs> I guess I guess there's some places in the world where your fatness is celebrated. And I would imagine it would be on the continent because there are places where the African women, fat women are celebrated. Fat men are celebrated. You know, it's, it's only through the Western lands that we, you know, we, we pick ourselves apart and destroy ourselves. So, so I, I, was, I was not unhappy. I was a little bit unhappy about the weight that I had put on over the years, but not enough to like depress me. Like I, I didn't like, oh my God, I hate myself. No, I didn't do that. I was just like, okay, let's make this work. But now I feel like the Olympic is a nice tool for me. It's a nice tool because it just, as much as I love to talk about food, since I've been on Olympic, I don't eat. I'm not eating around the clock. I'm not snacking. I'm not eating around the clock. And I'm still doing intermittent fasting. So, uh, because I like, because I, the reason why I liked intermittent fasting is because I didn't get up in the morning eating stuff. I was like, oh, okay. I, I would get up in the morning, I was like, have some water or some coffee. And then I go about my day. I check in around noon. Huh, how am I feeling? Well, if I just had a little more water, something like that, I'm good. And then I'd get, and then I eat it like four, after four o'clock my little thing would like say four o'clock, your window was open. So between four and eight, I would eat. And so I like, I like, because it, it really did regulate my blood sugar very well. That's why I was such a good, a good patient. You know, I kept my numbers good. Um, and so that worked for me. I like that. Um, so, so marrying that with Olympic has been really, really good, you know. Uh, and then I don't have to kill myself trying to, uh, you know, work out. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to spend hours in the gym and sweat. You know, I, just, I don't want to do that. I want to do the minimum. <laughs> I want to do the, do the minimum, you know. So I am going to take the uh, the step class, though, next Thursday. I'm going to take that because I feel like, I like a dancey kind of routine. So I I don't want to, I'll get bored doing other stuff. So a dancing routine would be fun. That's why I like jazzercise so much uh, because I could, you know, it was like dancey. I like a dancing routine, chore, choreograph. And then, you know, the time, it, it'll take me forever to get all the steps. So that's what I like about it. And I'll still be moving my body, you know, so. So I'm just going to build in that kind of stuff. And then I'm, I'm going to go back to weight training lifting weights although when I was at the when I went to see the surgeon um for uh to, you know to monitor my hips two years out she was like um I was like well I'd like to go back to weight training she's like why <laughs> I said because you know weight training is good weight training is good exercise industry white supremacy all right what for some reason, Harry, I cannot open these things. I'm bummed by that. Oh, God, do you hear that rain? 
Let me see if I can get this opened. Uh, it's rainy. No, I can't open this link. I wish I could. Because I'd like to know about this white supremacy thing. Text it to me. <laughs> hey, we both in the wrong tribe. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. Oh, the white supremacist origins of exercise. <laughs> and six other surprising facts about the history of U.S. physical fitness. <laughs> white people got their hands in so much. So much, Harry, so much. <laughs> so, so what? They thought they'd get in shape so they could so they could beat up black people. They don't know. We come already in shape. Is that is that it? Like white people. Who who what? Oh, this is in Time magazine. <laughs> okay. The white supremacist origins of exercise and six other surprising facts about the history of US physical fitness. All right, Harry, scroll up. Let me see what they what they okay, never mind. I that's a that looks like a good article. Let me go look that up. See what they're talking about. Listen, white supremacy is so much a part of American culture. It is American culture. White supremacy is American culture. Don't don't get me to don't get me to lying, you know. It is American culture. So, so anyway, so yeah, so uh, Hitler used fitness as a tool. As a tool for what? Oh, you know what? Because burpees, I think, came out of the Nazis. Burpees, out of the Nazi military regime. Uh, it was a it was a torture treatment. That's why I hate them things. I don't do them. I'm like, mm, I'm not paying homage to that. That's not going to show. You know what's going to show if I'm physical fit, Harry? If a dog gets after me, I can get over a damn fence. That that's if I'm I could do that. <laughs> that's my that's my physical fitness measure. <laughs> can I can I outrun somebody if they're behind me? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um the fitness industry is ripe. But I know what I want to do. So I'm gonna take this class. You know, there's salsa on Wednesdays um at Center Plaza in Westville that uh Alicia Mercado um does. So and it's free. So there's an hour right there I could get in for free, right? And then uh, I think there's some other thing that's going on. I could I could go back to tap dancing class, which is hard. Oh, the, the Nepal Festival in Brantford? Oh, tell me more, Joanna Epperson. What is the Nepal, Nepal Festival? And, and will there be some good-ass food? <laughs> Oh, I love it. The ne the Nepal, uh, the Nepal, Nepal Festival in Brantford. I like that. That'd be good. Oh, I pulled it up. Let me see. The Nepal 
a day for uh, Nepalese people in the area gathered to organize social events to share and celebrate Nepalese. Uh... Oh, it's pretty too. Yeah, Harry, it's in the it's in the patch. I just pulled it up. So it's a uh... it's Nepal U.S. Relationship Day, a day for Nepalese people in the area gather to organize social events to share and celebrate uh, Nepalese art, culture, music, and more with each other, the younger generation and all other communities. So there are at least 500 Nepalese of all ages are expected to gather for this event throughout the day. And the event is free to join and welcomes everyone. So um, Nepalese living in Connecticut and nearby states are primary audiences. The event welcomes all other non-Nepalese to learn and explore and enjoy the event. The event intends to serve people of all age groups focusing as a family event. Food will be available for the most part of the day and there will be fun engaging activities for people of all ages. Oh, that's Saturday. So you got a good day, uh, Joanna Epperson. This is a good day Saturday because if you had to do it today or Sunday, you'd be out of luck. So, so go, if, if there's any Nepalese people li listening or people from Nepal listening, uh, the Brantford Green, Main Street, Brantford, 9.30 to 8.30 PM. So that would be, that's gonna be good. That's gonna be good. So you're invited, July 15th, the uh, Nepal, Nepal Festival 2023. Okay, we got it in. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here for it. I don't know if I'm gonna get there, uh, Joanna Epperson, to the Nepal festival, but I'll be there in spirit. Maybe I'll put it on my calendar for next year. I like the idea of it because Bradford just had the Bradford Jazz Festival, or it's still going on. I'm not sure, uh, but I know they had some acts. And then the Hartford Jazz Festival, the Bridgeport Jazz Festival. Everybody got a jazz festival except for New Haven. Well, New Haven's kind of got a jazz festival. Well, we got good jazz all over the place, so we don't really need a festival. Um, but the Ron, there's a Ron Lawrence tribute, birthday tribute coming up. I think that's in August. So I'll talk about that more. And maybe I can have Jackie Buster come on and talk about it. Because um, she is, uh, she used to be married to Ron Lawrence and they have a son together. So maybe they'll, maybe I can get them to come on and talk about um, what they're, what they're planning and what they're up to. So, so yeah, I tell you, summer is a good time to hit all the festivals and, and, and this is a good time to catch some cultures that you, that you, you, you might be adjacent to, you might be interested in, or you don't even know you're interested in until you roll up, pull up, you know, I, I'd be fascinated to go to a, uh, to the Nepal festival in Brantford. I, uh, I, I'm not planning to do much this weekend, you know, so, hmm. And they say anybody could come. I'm anybody. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I kind of like that idea. So it is dark. Marquisha put in our group chat. It's like this, this weather looks like the end of days. Yeah, I'm sure it does. That's why I'm going to get out there and, and spend as little time as I can. And then uh, come back home and uh, be up in the house. 
I got some, I got some, uh, some Vino Verde Rosé, which was surprisingly quite good. I had the Sancerre Rosé. I did not like it. It just was bitter to me. Like it was just, it was too sharp. But the Vino Verde, I mean, if you like Vino Verde, it's an easy, Vino Verdes are easy drinking white wines. Easy, easy, peasy, peasy, lemon squeezy. So, 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 and, and they're priced well for like daytime, everyday drinking kind of stuff. So the Vino Verde, I, I knew it was going to be good because I like Vino Verde, but the Vino Verde Rosé, you know. Ooh. See, if my grandmother was alive, she'd make me get off air right now. <laughs> First of all, if my grandmother was alive, I wouldn't be doing any of this. <laughs> if either of my if either of my grandparents were alive, I would not be on air because my grandparents would be like, turn off all the electronics, lights, everything. And we just gonna sit in the dark, maybe have some candles and let God do his business. <laughs> That's how my grand grandparents were. Uh, I remember being down south of my grandparents' house. My grandparents lived in North Carolina. And I remember storms would come up and my grandmother would go through the house and be like, okay, turn off all the lights. And we'd be sitting in the dark, little kids. <laughs> sitting in the dark, listening to the thunder. And you know, that's enough to traumatize, scare the crap out of you. And it took me a long time not to be afraid of lightning, thunder and lightning. I didn't, I really did not stop being afraid of thunder and lightning until I adopted children. And then I saw in one of these little movies, and I think it was Sleepless in Seattle, when he was trying to teach his son not to be afraid of thunder and lightning. And it was like, for every thunder, count. And, and for every time you hear thunder, every, the number will get higher and higher, which means the thunder is going farther and farther away. So I taught that to my children. Do you know, these little nutty kids still do this to this day. They still do this to this day. Cracks me up. This is my phone. And uh, cracks me up. But that's a good little tool. So I stopped being afraid of thunder and lightning when I became a mother. I just I just stopped because I knew I had it. I didn't want them to I didn't want them to pick up that habit of being afraid the way that I was afraid. And I used to be afraid. Oh God. All through college, I couldn't stand it. I it would just now it doesn't phase me not one bit. Now I'm just like, oh, I, I kind of like it. I have app, I have an app on my phone of thunder and lightning. When I can't sleep, I just put it on and I can go to sleep. So it's it's a funny kind of thing. I, I've been afraid of thunder and lightning my whole life. And then once I had children, once my children started arriving, I was like, okay. Because I, I just didn't want to be afraid for them. I wanted to be, you know, not, I didn't want to, I just didn't want, because I knew if I was afraid, they were going to be afraid. So I didn't want them to be afraid. So, so that was my own little, let me, let me help them. <laughs> let me, let me, let me help them. So this light is harsh. It makes my face look ashy. Ashy. Or maybe it is ashy. I don't know. So yeah, so if my grandmother was alive, I would not be talking on any electronics. I, I was going to get in the shower first thing this morning. And I do know enough to know 
when it's thundering and lightning outside, you don't get your ass in the shower because lightning travels. And God knows I'm here by myself. I don't need to get stricken and fallen. And then I'll be found in my, you know, some freak accident where I'm found in my bathtub dead from lightning strike through the shower head. <laughs> I know that's extreme, right? But they tell you not to do it. So I listen, I'm not going to challenge it. I, I don't I don't need to take a shower that bad in the because it's gonna pass. It's not gonna it's not gonna shower and thunder for 40 days and 40 nights. It's not gonna do that. So I hear the rain. I hear it. So yeah, so this is gonna be a good day. I just wish it would have showed up a little later in the day. I could have ran my errands, but that's all right. That's all right. I'm gonna make it work. I'm gonna make it work. And then and we'll figure it out. But you know, we need rainy days. We need some, we need rainy days. And you know what, you know, and know what happens on rainy days? Them damn motorcycles and mopeds and all them loud ass toys, cars are not out in the street. Because they, they don't like to ride in this kind of weather. So so they in the house, they sitting in the house waiting for another sunny day so they could come out and you know ride through neighborhoods and get everybody all annoyed. So, so I like that part. And I, I dare say, I bet you on days like this, nobody is out committing crime. <laughs> You'd be hard pressed. And are people still selling drugs on the street? I know nobody's still getting pot from that. Did, did people give up their weed, man? Because you could just go to the dispensary and get it already pre-rolled. You don't got to worry about other people's spit or any of that mess. It's pre-rolled. You get them pre-rolled. And you can get a whole selection. It's a new day. So I don't know if people still have a weed man. But, you know, there's some, I bet you there's some old heads that still got their weed man. They still got their weed man. Oh, I'm sorry. Weed person. Because God knows. Let me be politically. Let me make sure I get it right. Not even politically correct. Just let me get it right. So I bet you there's some old cats, some old heads that uh, got their weed person. I, I, I would imagine. Because, you know, back in the day, a good weed person was hard to come by, you know, because there was people who do, you know, mean stuff like lace things with stuff and, you know. But a good weed man who was about the purity of his product, about getting good product out there, indispensable. Indispensable. So I, I, I would imagine if you've been getting your weed from a cat for 20 years, you're going to keep doing it even though now you've got other ways to sort of do it. Just saying. I don't know what made me think about that. But I think about, you know, that's a that's a that's a unintended consequence of uh drug dealing. Well you're gonna lose a part of your market now because people can just go to the and I don't even think you need you don't even need a medical ID now, right? You just ah this is what I want, I want this, this tell me about this. What 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 does this do for me? And they're quite knowledgeable. These people are quite knowledgeable about their, you know, Marco goes up there and gets what she likes. I'm like, okay. It's all pre-rolled. And I guess there's something to be uh, maintaining the fine art of rolling. See, back in my day, somebody had an album and they, you know, put the put the weed on the put the weed on an album cover. And then roll the seeds down. You know, you roll the seeds because the seeds would be in there. Because if you got a seed in your in your joint, it would pop and it would just get on your nerves. 
if you had too many seeds, it really wasn't good, right? So, uh, so there are people who are very skilled at fingers, you know, rolling. I used to watch cats roll, and then, <laughs> and this, this is the nasty part. Then they put it in their mouth, their whole mouth, and like give it a good lick. I think that was for your own joint. I don't think you've given anybody that. The stuff that we used to do, buy that easy white paper, that thin easy white paper. Oh my God. You know, those were the days, man. Those were the days. I, I, and I know they still sell those. I know they sell papers. And now people sort of, um, I've seen people wrap um, pot in tobacco leaves. I don't know how healthy or safe that is. Like, I really don't know. Because I just feel like it's like a, it's like having a pure cigarette and pot mixed together. Like, that's like a boost, you know. And I, I get it. People are like, oh, it's natural. I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so I'm not so sure. But I but I, I used to see people do it. So I think they still do it. I, I know they still do it. You know, because I, I know them Rastafarians are still rolling big spliffs. Uh, with pot in tobacco leaves, right? Uh-huh. I know it. I know they're still doing it. Ganja. big smoke but now you can go into places and the paraphernalia you could buy I remember you know you go in some places and you saw a paraphernalia in the store and it was just such a scandalous thing it was just a, a scandalous thing and you, and, there, and we you know as kids we go Whoa. you know I have to ask Ife if her uncle ever uh, if Unique Boutique ever had uh, paraphernalia in their store I don't, I can't remember. I cannot remember, you know, like glass pipes and all the stuff that we used to have for pair of bongs. <laughs> I have to ask Ife if, 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 uh, if um, Unique Boutique had uh, smoke paraphernalia. I, I don't recall seeing it. I don't recall. And I, I can't imagine that they did, but I could be wrong. Um, but I remember going into places like Merle's Record Rack and seeing it. And it would just be so scandalous. And you know, you go in there as a kid to buy your records, like Merle's Record Rack downtown. Um, and you would see it in the in the in the you know see it on display. And you know, before you knew what it was, you just was looking at it, and you're like, and then you don't want other people to see you looking at it. And it, it you know, they would be so pretty, the glass ones be so pretty, and you'd be like, oh my god, it's like art, ciao. It was just for uh, paraphernalia. <laughs> Roach clips with um, with um, feathers hanging from them and uh, beads. I remember those. And a roach clip is just like a clip. But they put all the fancy stuff on it and you charge your arm and a leg for it. I mean, you could just really went to a office supply store and just buy the clips. But I remember seeing them and I would see um, uh, girls, uh, older girls, old, way older than me, uh, would clip them in their, in their hair because this was the time when um, beads, I remember having braids with lots of beads in my hair and then you would get the clip and you would clip as decorative. Well, we didn't know no better. We just thought we was being cute, but those were roach clips. 
So it looked like we was doing something, right? <laughs> we looked like we was about it. We didn't know nothing. We was like, oh, this is pretty. Let's put it in our hair. Let's put it to our hair. Yeah, we get around other people and like, y'all smoke? We like smoke. <laughs> well, you got a clip in your hair. Clip. <laughs> That's what that is. I thought it was a barrette. <laughs> uh, woo. See, I don't I don't think kids have that level of naivety anymore. I think kids come knowing all the stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like I I I, I was very naive on a lot of things, particularly drug stuff. I don't know if kids are naive anymore. I think they learn at a very early age. And it's so much a part of um, uh, pop culture and television. And so it was a, it was a time. It was a time, it was a time, it was a time. But I think kids now, they just know everything. They, there's no mystery for them, none whatsoever. And uh I had a lot of mystery as a kid. <laughs> had a lot of mystery. I, and maybe kids do have a lot of mystery and we just don't know that they have mystery because so much is in their face. You know, every emotion, everything, every provocative thing. So anyway, I'm gonna take a break. I'll be back on the other side in about uh, 10, 15. So hang out, go enjoy the rain. Stay out of trouble. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear Now there's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop children What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down The battle lines being drawn Nobody's right if everybody's wrong Young people speak in their minds But they are getting so much resistance from behind Stop children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Think it's time we stop drooling on what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Stop drooling on what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. It's going down now.
WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. Second hour of Love Babs Love Talk on Babs Rolls Ivy. It's rainy in the elm, like gloomy, dark, rainy, like ominous kind of rainy. Like, but we know we're not getting the kind of rain they're getting in Croatia. I can tell you that. I've been following the um the writer strike in Hollywood, New York, and all and all the folks that are striking in solidarity. You know, I I think these movie houses are banking on AI to be more than what it can be. I I don't know why. I I never understand why people never want to pay people what they know they need to pay people, but they're willing to pay executives ridiculous amounts of money. But they're not they're not willing to pay the people who actually put the product out there. That that you don't pay the you don't want to pay the people and these people are not unreasonable in what they're asking for i mean i i was just paying attention i was like you know they just want they want better commitment of of their time and their talent you know they want stuff like that they want some of the pay when these films stream and do all these things like like other people get you know who are a part of the project i i don't understand why what there's there's so much money out there it's not like it's not enough money i don't know why they kicking this narrative like oh we're poor and we're broke and we're losing money and you're not you're not and i just think it's unconscionable but listen but this is the this is this is the strength of unionizing this is the strength of organized commitment this is the strength of that and 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 people need to understand that when they are strong together, they can do anything. You could do anything when you're strong together. That is the that is the whole purpose of organized labor. That is the whole purpose. You there's things that you cannot do on your own. You know, you cannot advocate against big, not and not even just big, but small things too. But mostly big corporations and these entities that just want to work and to pay you less, less, less. And it's unconscionable to me in 2023, we're still having workers' rights fights. You know, and and if we do away with organized labor, if we do away with collective bargaining, then we're all just going to be indentured servants. Do you understand? Indentured servants. Because everybody thinks, well, I don't, you know, I don't understand why 
Why, why we can't just advocate for ourselves? Why can't people just advocate? If you do a good job, you'll be, you'll be paid adequately. No, you won't. You won't, you know? And that's just, that's putting too much of the onus on corporations to be kind and benevolent and doing what's right. That's not, that's not what they're designed to do. Businesses are not designed to do that. It's just so crazy to me, you know, that, and even if you run a corporation that you are everything to your employees or whatever, you pay a decent wage and all this stuff, they still have the right to, to collective bargaining, organizing a, a, a union, because there's some safety in that, because you cannot be at the whim of what uh, a company says. Because companies change boards and CEOs all the damn time. And somebody else could come in with a different vision. You know, particularly when people sell companies. You know, don't focus on the Tom Cruises and the and the and the Denzel Washingtons. They're gonna get theirs. It's all the people underneath them that that put them where they are. It's it's the cats that do the scripts, the cats that do the lighting. It's the people that, you know, make sure the set is designed. I mean, it's all these things. And people have to be paid. It makes no, I, it's unconscionable that you work on an $800 million film and you still got to go apply for unemployment because whatever. Like, I, that just makes no sense to me. You know, or you got to worry about your health benefits or you got to, there's got to be some built-in guarantees, you know, so that you know, you have a job on this project. This is the job. This is how long it lasts. This is how much it pays. You know, you don't leave that to negotiation up in the air. Just come on and let's. I, I do think we're in the world. I think we're at a tipping point. I always think that, though. I think every generation thinks that. But I, I do think we're at a tipping point. You know, how, how do we want to? How do we want to go into the future? What what things do we want to take into the future? Do you know what I mean? Like, we're at a tipping point. You know, how do how do we want policing to look? How do we want um, incarceration to look? How do we want communities to look? How do we want the housing to look? Uh, how how do how do we dismantle re redlining, which still exists? How do we how do we what do we want for ed ed the education of our children? Is there some other model out there based on one that suits us collectively? You know, is there a new model in by in ways? in which people work, you know? I, I think we're at a tipping point about what, what do we wanna, where do we wanna spend our time and our resources and our energy moving forward, you know? Um, do, is there room in America for overt racism? I, I don't think we've ever answered that question. You know, how do we ensure an onboarding process 
for immigrants in this country, coming to this country, in this country. You know, how do we how do we handle asylum seekers? How how do we maintain the policing of the entire world? You know, how do we how do we uh, empower diplomats to work to peace? How do we do that? Is that what we want? Because we can do anything. We can do anything. How do we how do we fix a, a healthcare system that is ripe and rich with racism that doesn't see people of color as people who don't believe that people of color feel pain? Who 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 where where black women giving birth is problematic and dangerous and often life-threatening like how do we how do we how do we tackle this you know in real meaningful ways so that we say this is not a country we want we don't we don't want this in our country this is not who we are this is not how we want to be how do we how do we employ people and what kind of jobs are we thinking about and 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 how much how much do we lean on corporations to do their fair share and to do their part by way of taxes, by way of employing people, by way of investing in America? How do we, how do, how do we, we should, we need to put all these questions out there to the American public. How do we deal with the gun situation? We are the only country in the world that has the amount of uh, mass shootings than anybody else. They don't even have mass shootings like this in countries that are having wars. America is at war with itself. And we've been at war with itself for a very long time. It's a lot to think about. But I do believe if people get into groups and communities that they could tackle some of these things, that you could work some of these things out. You know, But there are too many people who would rather not spend their time working in a community. They'd rather spend their time doing their own thing. And I'm not suggesting that you commit your life to working in community, but I do think there is a commitment to do something in community so that it's an equal lift for everybody. You know? I'm not unhappy. <laughs> I don't say this because I'm unhappy. I say this because I am unbelievably happy, you know, and I want other people to be unbelievably happy. But we got too many, too many, too many. We we have what used to be cracks are now craters that people are falling through. You know, we have we have a homeless a homeless crisis, but we but we've been building to this moment for quite some time. We didn't just wake up today and be like, oh. Now we have a gazillion homeless people. We've been we've been building to this moment for a very long time. And this notion of, well, I don't want to do anything for those people because they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. Why should I, why should they get what I had to work so hard for? That's the wrong thinking. That's what I mean. If Christ came back, he would be, he would be on the streets. <laughs> If if Christ showed up tomorrow, he'd be on the streets 
and people would be like egging him. He wouldn't. He wouldn't get a following. He wouldn't. I'm not convinced. I don't care if he stood in the middle of the square and said, "I have come back." Somebody would try to kill him, shoot him, mug him, abuse him, traffic him. It would just. <laughs> We don't know Christ if we saw Christ. You know how I know? Because we don't see each other. And in each other, we are the Christ. We are the Christ. I don't know why people don't get that part. Each and every one of us is the Christ. That's, that's the for me, the ultimate point of the story. We are the Christ. And yet we don't accept that. We don't see Christ because we don't see each other. I'm sure Christ has been back for a long time, sitting on a park bench looking at people like, damn, this is where we are? <laughs> this is how we got here? This is what we're doing? I know he's, and I know if you walk by some park bench and you hear somebody say, father, father, I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, I thought, I thought we had a good enough plan and some teachings. I thought we had a good enough examples and some and some lessons. I thought we had enough miracles in place. I guess not, because look where we are. So if you're walking in the park and hear somebody say, Father, Father, take a look. It might be the Christ. You think Christ is going to come back in a Cadillac and gold robes? Is that what you think? You think you'll know the Christ that way? No. I don't think he didn't show up like that the first time. He showed up as a baby. People just get on my nerves. <laughs> and at the same time, I love people because there's so many good people out there who exemplify Christ. You know, and, and by Christ, I could say anybody. I could say Muhammad, I could say Buddha, I could say, I could say all, all the things. We wouldn't know any of these people if they showed up and stood in the village square and said, I am that I am that I am. We would ignore that. We would ignore it. We would ignore it. We wouldn't trust it. We wouldn't trust a Christ that showed up in a Maybach with a Prada suit. We wouldn't trust a Christ that showed up in stinky, raggedy clothes. We wouldn't trust Christ if he showed up as, as the least among us. We wouldn't trust Christ if he showed up as the best among us. We wouldn't trust it. I just, you know, I just, I, I think we're at a tipping point. I'm not, and I'm not, um, I'm not anxious because I, 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 I do think there are more people out there in the world doing amazing good things than there are not. I, I remember I, I had a friend who recently became not a friend. And he, 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 you know, he goes to this particular country every year. You know, and, you know, white people get on my nerves with this mess. You know, he lives amongst them and, you know, oh, I live amongst them and blah, blah, blah. I want to help them. And, you know, he brings a few things. And so I said, well, you know, he wanted to create a fundraiser. I said, well, create a fundraiser, get a list of the friends who you want to ask. Oh, no, I don't want to ask my friends. I was like, so, who, who, well, who do you want to ask? It's like, what people, are you, you know, all fundraising begins with the people that you know. 
Oh, I'm not comfortable with that. I mean, such an asshole response. Like either you're just, see, that's, this is, mm. what you want is somebody else to give their money, but you don't want to ask your friends who have money, have means, because you don't see, you don't understand the ask. You think somebody else ought to care. Like other black and brown people ought to care about the black and brown people in that country. But your ass is over there all the time, you know, living amongst them and, 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 you know, rocking with them and being friends with them. And then you pack your shit and you go back, come back here to your nice little house in the woods. You know, white people stop it, but they're not going to stop it because they're going to take some kind of moral and high ground about it. And, oh, you know, I just love it. There's a simpler, simpler way of life. Like you have the means to live any kind of way you want, but you choose to go live with some of the poorest people on the planet and, and, and what hang out with them and be poor with them for what, three weeks. And then you bring your ass back to your, you know, nice stuff. You know, we are we are at a tipping point, a tipping point, a tipping point, and it's it's getting. I, I don't want to say it's getting harder and harder to find bright spots. I'm never going to say that because I think you can you can find all the bright spots all day long. You can do that. You can do that because I know people who find the darkness at every turn. <laughs> you know people like that. They find the darkness at every turn. They, they, you know, if we say we're going to go through this, there's some darkness attached to it. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> there's people who are fearful of everything all the time. Oh, no, no, I can't. Do oh, no. <laughs> Woe is me. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to do that. You know, people live with too much fear. Way too much fear. Too much fear about everything. And I'm thinking... How much more time you think? Listen, I, I heard a woman say, I think on a commercial the other day. Um, oh no, I heard it this morning. I was watching a woman talk about, she was on, I think it was an Instagram, like a TikTok on Instagram. And an uh, older woman, older black woman, beautiful black woman. And, and they were asking her questions about, do you think you'll ever, you know, find the love of your life or that kind of stuff? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> and she's very you know uh whatever i was just listening to her talk but what what i found compelling like i don't i don't care about this other mess everybody's like oh i, I find the love of my life you are the love of your life i get that people want companionship i get it but you know you have grow your friend base and then you will get all the love and romance that you need right there because if it's sex that you want say that and then go have sex but this other romantic foolishness that people create in their minds about somebody coming in and rescuing them from their lives, because that's really what you're saying. It's not, you don't really want to share your life with anybody. You want to be rescued from boredom and loneliness and no imagination. That's, that's really what you're saying. That's what you want to be rescued from. You know, oh, it'd be nice to, to go on a trip. With, listen, get your girlfriends and go on a trip. What's the problem? If you want to have sex with somebody, say that then say, be clear about that. And I'm not saying love and sex are mutually exclusive, but they're not, you don't have to have one or the other. You can have both or you can have one or you can have the other. 
It's your choice. But anyway, she said, I've got more, I've got more exits than I have entrances. <laughs> I was like, girl. And I was like, you're right. Cause we about to, we all about to leave here in a minute. I mean, what do we, what, what did I, what did I say a couple of months ago? We have, we have a, we have six minutes, six seconds before we die or some old mess. I think somebody has said, it's like, all right, what you going to get into? What can you get into? I don't know. I do know this. This is the only life you've got. And if you squander it, and people squander it every day, people are squandering it. And there are some people who think that they're living by doing all these things. That's not living either. You know, I, this is what I would say to people. You know how you have a life of a, a life that you like and love. You have some. You have some commitment to community, some service to the world, that you act kindly and generously as much as you possibly can. That you think about yourself as a tool for God's greatest endeavors. That wherever you go, you bring peace and joy and love to the space. Even if it's a space that you have to fight in, you bring those tools with you so that you don't lose your humanity in these fights. And by fights, I mean championing causes that need your voice. You know, don't get so mad where you just want to kill the other person. That's that's not a that's not humanity. But that you can fight with all the tools at your disposal in injustice and still remain joyful, happy, and loving. And that takes work. Your, your humanity is like a muscle. I like I used to think that people should have some empathy for people automatically, but you don't it, you, you have to build that. You have to stop othering people and you have to see people as you see yourself. They belong, I belong, we all belong. They breathe, I breathe, we all breathe. They bleed, I bleed, we all bleed. They have hopes and dreams and wishes for their children, just like I have hopes and dreams and wishes for my children. They think they're right. I think I'm right. How do we get to the greater good? How do we get to the greater good? And, and what is the greater good? That the greater good has to be rooted in that we all share this planet and we all have an invested stake in this planet. And that we all have an invested stake in each other so that each other can live beautifully and harmoniously. And that's a, that's a challenge because we live in a very litigious society. We live in a very volatile society. And, and we have learned to settle differences with great deal of violence. So we have. Violence is always lingering. The threat of violence is very real to anybody and everybody at any minute, at any time in this country, the threat of violence. 
whether it's done by neighbors and people you know, or police, or anybody. We don't think peace first. At least a lot of people don't. If we could get to if we could get people thinking peace first, I think we could change the trajectory of the world. I was listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, last night. He was talking about, um, you know, everybody's trying to figure out a way to colonize Mars. <laughs> you know, get to Mars and make Mars like Earth. He's like, well, how about we just make Earth like Earth? <laughs> Because it, because his thing was, we're just trying to leave a planet that we've already destroyed. We are destroying for another planet that we're going to equally go destroy. How about we just heal this planet, take care of this planet, put things in place to make sure this planet can heal itself. Because this planet can heal itself if we get it out of the way. You know, we stop doing more harm. I just thought that was the funniest thing. It was like, why don't we just make Earth Earth? <laughs> we're already here. Why don't, why don't we just clean it up? Why don't we clean up earth instead of trying to figure out ways to colonize and colonize and colonize some other place? And I dare say, we're going to get to that place. We're going to get, we're going to, get to a place where we colonize another planet. I mean, I, I'm sure of it. I mean, I didn't watch Star Wars for nothing and, and, and all the space movies, which I love, love, love. You know, Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek and you know, all of, I just love all of it. But before we get there, how about we just take care of this planet? You know, clean up the oceans, the rivers, the streams, clean up the forests, our cities, our towns, clean up our air, <laughs> find ways to lessen our carbon footprint, that kind of stuff, you know. And I know people are doing it in their neighborhoods and their communities, but we need to, you know, let's start building buildings that don't, like, don't um, tear up, don't destroy the, the, the earth and the atmosphere and the environment, you know, air conditioning units that require so much power to run in these tall buildings. You know, our addiction to cars and, and how do we make those better? And, and and electric cars shouldn't be the only cars that we're investing in. It should be other cars that we could create. And I don't know what they are, but I know there's somebody in some some lab somewhere is like, I think this would be a good car. <laughs> I, I do. I think there's somebody, I think there's batches of people all over the place working on incredible things. You know, I, I hope nobody's working on better weapons of destruction mass destruction i hope that i hope they not but you know somebody is you know somebody is somewhere working on a, a smarter weapon of mass destruction you know and, and i can see the thinking well this will kill some people but not all the people do you know what i mean it's that kind of thinking and then you know there's somebody working on bio bio weapons you know how can i gas people or poison people which is probably cheaper than shooting people. You know, if you want to kill up a whole bunch of people, you know, you just mess with their water system, you know, or pollute the air, just going in, gassing the death, 
I mean, there's all kinds of cheaper ways to kill people, but then that's inhumane, as if wars are not inhumane by the very nature of war. <laughs> the very nature of war is to kill humans, to kill other humans who have an opposing opinion um, that you don't agree with. And, and, and there are things, there are times when you can't agree with people, particularly if they're doing atrocities. You can't get, you can't, you can't co-sign that. So what do you do? Well, you believe that the only tools to your disposal is brute force and that diplomacy goes out of the window. But in the meantime, if you're trying to use diplomacy while, you know, they're killing people, they're mostly their own people, then you, you, got, you think you have to act, you know, and you have to act with equal brute force to stop whatever the genocide, the Holocaust, you know, whatever it is, you have to stop it. And so, see, the cycle just continues. I don't have any answers. I'm just, I'm just thinking. I, for me, I just, this is like a clothesline. I'm just hanging out all the laundry that needs to be aired out. I'm just, I'm just pinning up the laundry. And then we can decide. Well, you know, when you when you wash blue clothes with white clothes, guess what happens? Sometimes blue clothes spill over into white clothes we can't have that right or can we can we live with white clothes that have been turned blue by blue clothes i know i'm just saying i'm just i'm just hanging out the laundry I'm just hanging out on the line you know i don't have the answers for anybody's life i don't i do know that i see us at a tipping point you know and and we are you know, there's there's so many things. Uh, we we are we are lonelier than we've ever been in the history of the world. There's whole articles about this, whole NPR conversations about this. With all the technology, people are not connected. With all the connecting technology we have to connect to each other, we are disconnected more so than we've ever been in the history of the world. Listen, when when we was just riding covered wagons and 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 sending letters by stagecoach. <laughs> We're more connected now. Our, our, we have devices that can put us anywhere in the world just by dialing a number or FaceTiming people, and yet we are still lonely. And and adults are having trouble making friends, as is kids are having trouble making friends. And and we schedule playdates, but nobody's playing. You know, I'm just hanging the laundry out. That's all I'm doing for us to discern. And there are people who are listening who can at any moment disrupt any of those things. I'm not suggesting people take out every damn thing under the sun. No, but find your lane and get in it. Find something that you can do to uplift and better not only yourself, but the people around you. And the people around you are your community, where you live, who you rock with. That's your community. So if you could be about the business, if you shut down the noise of what people ain't and then just work on what people are, and we might make some headway into some of these concerns and these issues. And I'm not suggesting that we're not working on that. There are people all over the place working all kinds of stuff. There, there are groups of people in this city right now who are working on uh, uh, curtailing violence of, of young people. There are people who spend all their time doing that, whole, a whole organiza organizations and connecting to organizations to stop children, young people, from having beef with other young people. 
So there are people doing this work, but they've been doing this work in isolation by themselves, that they need more people in the mix. And so, you you know, even if you don't want to be boots on the ground, send them a $10 check once a month and say, you know what, this is all I got, but I believe in the work that you're doing. I want to help further it. You know what $10 could do in a, non, a lowly nonprofit organization? $10 from you, $10 from your friends, $10 from other people. I know because I used to run nonprofits. I know how a little bit of money could go a long way because, you know, the least among us. So anyway, it's Friday. I hope whatever you get into, you do it Saturday because Sunday is going to be a rainy day. But the rain don't stop nobody. So get out there and make it good. Don't hurt nobody. Don't hurt yourself. Be good. I'll be back on Monday. Next week, I got a bunch of guests. So I'll be talking to people, <laughs> which I'm looking forward to. So thank you all for the week. It was been, it's been a good week. I've enjoyed myself. I like sitting in this chair and talking to people or have people listen to me talk. And, and I appreciate the comments that y'all fly past me, you know, send me, message me, stop me on the street. I appreciate it. I appreciate it greatly. And uh, thanks for reaching out, being a fan. I'll be back. Happy birthday, Harry. Woo! Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday.